Welcome to our podcast, Transparently Speaking. I am Diana, and I have a son who transitioned at a young age to become his true self. And I am Joy. I have also supported my daughter to transition at an early age. We are here to share our experience and our learning along this journey. We want to provide support and guidance parent to parent. And if you find yourself on a similar journey, we want you to know that you are not alone. So let's dive in, transparently speaking. Diana, thrilled to be with you in introducing our second Father's Day episode to our listeners. Yes. I'm excited. I really loved this episode between you and Arthur. And as you mentioned in our first episode, I think Arthur's perspective on things offers a unique take, especially because of his research physician background. Yes, absolutely. I think he'll speak to the more, I don't know, um, what would be the right word? From a scientific perspective, from a data like analysis, from a- There you go. Yes. how the world works, you know, like it, it's, I think our listeners will enjoy it and get a lot out of it. Right. So I have Arthur with me today, my wonderful and amazing husband. And Arthur, I don't know if you know this, you're on the Father's Day edition of our podcast. I'm honored to be on said edition. <laughs> So um, our listeners hear a lot about our own experience, but I thought it'd be great to hear a little about, about yours. So I'm curious, let's start with Clark. Sure. What, what do you remember about learning about Clark's true identity? Yeah, I mean, so the things I remember, you recall, the earliest discussions around this related to the purchasing of boys underwear. I don't know if you remember that or not, but he really, really wanted boys underwear. I can't remember how old he was, whether it was three or four or something along those lines. I think that's about right. I remember what with the underwear controversy, <laughs> for, for lack of a better term, that thinking at the time, like maybe he's transgender. You actually thought that? I did when he was about three or four. You didn't tell me that. No, and I didn't. So I didn't say anything at that time. So I was like, well, I, you know, just like you didn't realize that maybe someone at three or four might actually have that level of knowledge. So I said, well, we'll just kind of see how this plays along. Because he really wasn't at that time having a lot of, I think, anxiety and things along those lines. A three or four year old child can more easily sort of experiment with their gender expression than a child once they start to get to seven or eight years old. So I always kind of kept that in the back of my head. And then sort of when you called when I was on my way out to Utah, actually, to give a talk, as I recall, and I think it was in Denver, actually, <laughs> I landed in Denver on a connecting flight. You said you called and you you'd said that you, you thought Clark uh, might be transgender. Those are kind of my earliest sort of memories. I mean, do you remember what you thought when I asked that? I thought you're right. Basically, <laughs> that's what my thought was. To be honest with you, it had always sort of been in the back of my head that he, Clark, very well might be transgender, just based on his gender expression, his interests. It always seemed like maybe that that was the answer as to to his gender expression. So my first thought was not a shock or anything. I was like, you're probably right. Where did your knowledge of like what transgender is, where did that come from? I have to think back. I mean, 
had some knowledge of it, I would say, from patients I may have ran into during my training. I would say I got more knowledge probably at Stanford, even in the early 90s, had some knowledge of what that meant, but not sort of the depth of knowledge, obviously, that I had now. I just sort of knew that there are individuals out there who have a, a gender identity that is different from the sex that they were assigned at birth. While I didn't have a lot of scientific detail or knowledge along those lines, or have a lot of interaction, frankly, uh, that I knew of with individuals who were of trans experience, I had some idea that it was it existed. What do you remember about Dinah? Well, Dinah is obviously a little more recent. I think we were also more savvy, frankly, at that point, right? I mean, we, we knew a lot more when... Dinah began to voice his, what he believed his gender expression was and how he felt. And so I think that was for us easier to sort of handle and make moves on because we'd had to answer a lot of those questions with Clark many years beforehand. But Dinah was different though, because Dinah, Dinah changed his name to Dinah. He had long hair. Yeah. Dinah's, yeah. So Dinah expression itself was more uh, non-binary, I would say, than strictly uh, strictly that of a boy. I mean, I think it's a little more difficult when a child is expressing and looking like one gender, but wants to be referred to as the other gender to make the adjustment and to do it well. And I would say I probably struggled more with that with Dinah, but certainly that I did with, with Clark. You're referencing pronouns right now oh yeah yeah i think yeah referencing pronouns i think that was more difficult to do just because it's when you're awake and alert and have a lot of energy it's you know you can think about it then it was easier but when i come home and you're exhausted from the day whatnot you just look and you know there you use the whatever pronouns because that's what you're used to what you see so that was harder but it's gotten easier over time i think obviously when he he decided to cut his hair. It became much, much easier. I think it's easier to sort of identify that. Just the brain does that for whatever reason. Although you understand that boys can have long hair and girls can have short hair. Yes. But, you know, I think when he cut his hair and he wanted it to look in that manner, it was, I think, you know, I think it made it easier when you're tired and not thinking. And then when that happens, then it's easier just to do it all the time. You have to use the right pronoun. Because do you remember how we how we learned of his identity he was asking i don't remember exactly it had to do with what right yes what pronouns were used for what gender yes right and when he realized that the pronouns were gendered he wanted the the male pronoun but he he still wanted his name to be dinah correct which is fine (laughs) and even when i told him some people may think you're a girl because I think the name Dinah is a girl's name. Right. He did not want to change it. It'll be interesting to see as time goes on, whether or not he wants to change that or does not want to change that, but we'll see. I mean, he's, he's still very young as far as that perspective, as far as needing to do, you know, he's got time to decide on, on yeah. what the name may be, but he may stick with Dinah. Well, I think in his mind, he's like, I'm a boy and Dinah's my name. So Dinah's a boy's name when it comes to me. (laughs) One thing, um, just to switch gears a little bit, we've talked a lot on the show, is about the most recent anti-transgender legislation. 
I didn't know if you want to weigh in on that. Yeah, I can weigh in on that. I think, you know, what you're seeing is something that was staged and battle tested by those on the conservative side of the aisle as a quote, winning strategy. And I think it ignores the subtleties and the actual nuances and actual understanding of what it means to be of trans experience. And I think for whatever reason, in some states in particular, there is difficulty for those on the more uh, enlightened side of the aisle, I will say, on this issue to appropriately fight back. And so, you know, I, I think that's, it sort of speaks to where we are, people finding a wedge issue, which is what this is now, a social wedge issue. And it's getting muddled up, I think, in other issues as it relates to school children and what you can, what, what should be taught in schools or what shouldn't be taught in schools and uh, what books should be there, what books should not be there. It's become wrapped up and to one sort of larger issue. And that's unfortunate. Do any of them scare you? I don't know how I would say scared I would say I am at them. I think I would be obviously far more concerned if we were in a location that was had one of these that was very likely to adopt some of these types of laws. I guess it is possible. Here, but I think less likely. If we lived in a place that was obviously gonna, you know, was dominated by this type of thought, then I would think I'd be sort of much more worried about it. We're gonna have to pick up shop and move somewhere. Is that what you would want to do? I think we'd have to consider that. Some people argue, and I wonder what you think. Some people argue that that's a privileged thing that to stay and fight for those that don't have the finances to get up and move. I can see that point. On the other hand, you, we can fight that fight without putting ourselves in direct jeopardy. I mean, I think you could say that, to be frank, the people who, there are lots of people out there who are are on our side of this issue who don't, wouldn't be directly harmed and could do, could fight the fight. I'm not sure why you would want to put the front line as being the people who are most likely to be damaged, right? Have the, have the most to lose, to pay the biggest price, and not even just them as parents, the parents, but the children, have the most to lose. Are you thinking about the child abuse laws? Yeah. Yep. What do you think some of the greatest challenges have been for you? For me? Mm-hmm. That's a really good question. I don't know if I reflected on the major challenge. I think, I think the biggest challenge is having to sometimes fight for things you otherwise wouldn't have to fight for, right? Like what? Things like access to certain things in healthcare. If you remember, originally we had to take, we were taking Clark down you know, to another state for care for a period of time until we were able to find someone here uh, locally who was able to do that. Every Since everything's so new and moving and changing, it's not, the medical care isn't as protocolized in many things that you otherwise see in pediatrics. And so you end up sort of with a lot of debating sometimes uh, as far as what's the right thing, quote unquote, right thing to do. Whereas just to compare for kids that aren't of trans experience, where there are protocols, you don't have to fight for those same things. Is that what you're saying? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Do you have any concerns for the kids? I mean, I have concerns for them as far as, I have no real concerns, frankly, as far as getting to sort of secondary education or or college education, things like that. I think once you get out into 
the quote unquote real world? You know, will the real world be ready at some point for, for them? What will that mean to be ready for them? Meaning that they can compete on a fair shake for positions, promotions, opportunities, things along those lines. I mean, it appears society is shifting in many places in the correct direction and some places not. But I don't know whether it'll be ready or not by that time, how accepting it will be or won't be. Hard to say. Yeah. Well, I will say, Arthur, this entire journey, you've been like a rock. Like you have not been shaken (laughs) at all, which is who you are Mm. in general. But how do you think you've been able to be so steady? I think the... Well, it comes down to scientifically, right? So I'm part scientist, right? So scientifically, it is not logical that in nature, which loves variation, would set a scenario where there's two locked in binary sexes, right? It logically actually makes less, that actually logically makes less sense than a scenario where there is a rainbow or spectrum of gender that may be anchored on two ends but has a lot of variation in the middle and has variations that seem paradoxical. That to me seems like a more normal state of things than two fixed pillars Mm -hmm. of gender. And I think when approached from that point of view, it all sort of, you you tend, I tend not to doubt as much about is this the right thing or not the right thing i think the what i think you have my feeling is the underpinning seems correct and what do you mean the underpinning the underpinning of of the the biology of trans of being trans Mm -hmm. and with that i think it feels anchored right and that it's not being made up out of the sky and that this is some hippity dippity kind of thing that people do now with their kids, right? I just don't, that just doesn't seem correct if you're just from a logic standpoint, a scientific standpoint. What is the best part of this journey? I'm learning a lot of things I otherwise wouldn't learn. And that's probably the best part of the journey. I learned a lot of different things from Clark. I'm sure we'll learn a lot more from Dinah too, as well, about how the world, you learn a lot about how the world works, how people, how constructs, social constructs that have lived for such a period of time are built on certain assumptions that may not be actually true and and need to be adjusted, may need to be adjusted in order to grow for our conception of gender. I think that's the most interesting part about having a trans, uh, having children of trans experience. Well, thank you for being with me today. You're welcome. I love you. Love you too. So, Joy, I really, what I really loved about this is it, listening to Hugh, listening to Arthur made me um, enjoy how we like all have very different perspectives. Like there are similarities between all of us and there are also very, a lot of differences. And so that to me was the best part of bringing them in here today. Yeah, I think the diversity in perspective is insightful in so many ways. Absolutely. One of the things that I'd love to start with, if it's okay, is this observation I had that you were a bit surprised that Arthur may had had intuition before you did. Absolutely. Yes. (laughs) You know, because I had all these ideas of why 
you know, when he was three, why does he want boys underwear? And why does he tell people on the playground, he's a boy. And I had my own philosophies. I think I even shared them with Arthur. His answer was always like, who knows? (laughs) (laughs) Share that, but that's very much him. Like he, it would be unusual for him to share something that was speculation. Like that's just him. He kind of keeps speculation to himself. There's no data. So. That's amazing. It's both of us in, in sort of this life coaching space, right? If only our clients were like that, we wouldn't have jobs. <laughs> I always say he was the natural born life coach, <laughs> but only for himself. He doesn't know how to translate that to other people. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. The other thing I'd love to get a little bit of highlight on is I thought it was really insightful how Arthur expressed this challenge in Dinah's non-binary expression, sort of this struggle of adjusting when a child's gender expression is different than sort of that societal norm, right? Even though you call out like, well, boys can have long hair um, and that the name is perceived to be feminine, you know, like that just these differences in terms of how expression shows up within our world, how that creates a challenge or how it created a challenge even for, for him as a parent. Right. And, and what I love again, that natural born life coach there is how basically he was expressing, expressing compassion for himself. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, and for others that may be in the situation, like, yeah, I'm learning, I'm working, but if I'm tired, I'm exhausted, it's much harder and, you know, and not making himself wrong for it, but just, just recognizing like, of course that makes sense. I'm going to be more challenged with the being tired and the expression not being what I expect. And um, I think I always think of it as the mind's eye. We use pronouns by like without much conscious effort. Like we see something, we say something. It's either what we're used to or our brain is programmed to see these cues. And then this is the pronoun that comes out. And it's not until we slow that process down and be more purposeful that we can begin to change what may be programmed. And so I think that's what he's talking about. Like he just didn't have the capacity to slow it down in those times. And I love that. Like, again, he didn't make himself wrong for it. Oh, I totally agree. That's beautiful. The other thing I absolutely adored was Arthur's perspective on keeping your family safe in this concept of, you know, if things sort of went haywire where we live in terms of um, anti-trans legislation, you know, you kind of asked about moving and should we stay, you know, are we just privileged and do we need to fight the good fight and kind of hold down the fort here? And I loved his perspective of, Hey, we can fight without putting our family and especially our kids who have the most to lose in at the risk of direct harm. Yes. And I have mixed emotions about it. I don't know that I a hundred percent agree with Arthur. I hear what he's saying. And I don't know that I totally disagree. I mean, I think there's something to be said that I don't think we have to, should necessarily be on the front lines. I I think that has to be assessed for everyone, right? Like, does it have to be either or? Either we're on the front lines or we move away. Is there something in between? Because we make the most difference when we put a face to the issue, when we put a human to the issue and nobody else can do that for us. So it's kind of, I totally hear what he's saying. And, and, and it was something I'd never thought of. And so I appreciate, that's what I always appreciate about Arthur is his 
perspective of like, why do we have to be the ones on the front line and our kids have the most to lose? So, but a part of me thinks wherever we go, it'll follow. Like, that's what it feels like right now. There is no safe place. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's where I don't totally agree with him, but I think he has a really good point. Yeah. And I, I just like that he's raising this, uh, he's raising this conscious awareness, right. About what are the risks, you know, how do, how would we make a good decision and how do we, you know, continue to support our kids and keep them safe while continuing to fight the good fight. Right. Right. And I will say I had to give a talk recently where to a large group of people. And I thought it was important for the talk. It related to the talk to say I was a parent of a transgender child. That's the most I said about that. And I really had hesitation of like, will child protective services be called? Will people start harassing us? Like the audience was decently big. And his response was, these issues don't change by being silent. And I just bring that up here because yes, we don't have to be on the front line, but I think he also sees like we have to be somewhere, just not up front. Yeah. Well, that's beautiful. Yeah. My favorite part of, of what he said was his comment scientifically about the diversity of gender and how there's diversity in all parts of biology and nature. There's, there's no binary in any part of nature. I never thought about it that way. And I've never heard it talked about that way. And so to me, that was my absolute favorite part what he had to say. I really enjoyed that too. The scientific perspective on variation in our natural world and how that, you know, provides a case for the spectrum of gender versus having the binary. I thought that was really powerful and a really fascinating way to look at it. Well, Yay, Arthur. <laughs> well, I, I hope our listeners get a chance to listen to both. And I'm so grateful for Hugh and Arthur for being willing to come on and supporting us. We support each other. We're, I think we're very lucky for the partnerships we have. And, and so hats off to them. Yes. I'm in total agreement. We are blessed with amazing partners and for all of our listeners, you know, may you only be so, so blessed to have people in your life who are supporting you if you're on this journey, or may you have learned something here that can help you be even more supportive to those who might be on the journey. That's a wrap on this episode of Transparently Speaking. Thanks for joining us today. Join us again on the 1st and 15th of every month for our next podcast. Thank you to Filter for our awesome music. That's P-H-I-L-T-Y-R. Check them out at Apple Music, YouTube Music, Spotify, or anywhere you download music. As a reminder, we welcome your feedback and questions. Email us anytime at transparentlyspeakingpodcast at gmail.com. If you're taking something away from our podcast, we'd appreciate if you'd take a moment to provide us a review. The more listeners and reviews, the more people we can reach and support. Thanks in advance. Cheers from Joy and Diana.